Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. If there was something we could do to get to heaven, Jesus could have just stayed in heaven himself, right? If we could do it on our own. And so the first three chapters talk about condemnation. Really, that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the bad news. And then he begins to tell us the last part of chapter 3, the good news, that there's a righteousness that comes from God that's now been revealed through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. And so he begins to tell us that, and he tells us in chapter 4 about how Abraham was the greatest example of faith, and he was an example of the patriarchs, and He was a great mighty man and he was saved by faith. And David, even though he was a great mighty man, he was also a great sinner. And God says that he represented the kings and he was also saved by faith. In chapter 5, we talked about the fact that once we're saved, we cannot lose that salvation. Chapter 6 talks about that now that we're saved, we need to begin to reckon ourselves dead to sin but alive to Christ. And in chapter 7, Paul talks about that battle, the things he wants to do, he doesn't do. But the things that he doesn't want to do, he does those. And he says, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And he says in chapter 8, I thank God that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And he proceeds to lay out the greatest chapter on true salvation, the fact that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And so as we got to chapter 9, remember we are talking about the national section. Chapters 1 through 8 are the teaching or the doctrinal section. Chapters 9 through 11 are the national section that talks about Israel. And we talked about a couple of weeks ago about the first five verses or so. And what we found out is the chapter 9 is about Israel's election. In other words, they were chosen as a special group of people by God. Chapter 10 talks about their their rejection of God. And chapter 11 talks about their restoration to God. And then chapters 12 through 16 talk about our walk. Now that we're saved, if we've trusted Christ, this is the way we're to live. And so as we looked at the first five verses, we saw Paul's heart for the Jews. that He loved his brother and he said, I could even wish that I would go to hell if it were possible. For my brethren, and he talked about all their privileges, you know, and I think about the United States and all the privileges we have and the abilities and all the things that we have to hear the gospel, to get it on the radio, got Bibles everywhere, and you know, but but so many people have turned from God and, and turned to their own way and have rejected the true Christ. And so what Paul's dealing with in chapters 9 through 11 and especially 9 is what he's dealing with is the problem that that once Jesus died on the cross was buried and rose again and God said that the Jews were his chosen people what happened was all these Jewish family members that got saved they began to go out and evangelize their friends and their family but most people rejected the fact that Jesus was the Messiah And that's the same thing today, right? They're still looking for the Messiah to come. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago that in Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, it quotes Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10, and he says that they will look on him whom they've pierced. 
And now speaking of where he was pierced through his side when he was on that cross, remember when the soldiers were checking to make sure he was dead, right? And so they will look on him whom they've pierced and they'll realize that they killed God himself on the cross and they will believe and be saved. That's coming in the future. It was a great sorrow and a great disappointment to the early people who were sharing the gospel. What's going on is people say, well, well, if God has rejected the Jews who are his chosen people, then why won't he reject us too somewhere down the road? Paul's dealing with the fact that God has not ultimately rejected them, that his plan is still in place, but it was always only for those who believe. It's not automatically received. As he said in John 1.12, it's not those who are born of the blood, nor the will of man, nor of the will of man, but to him who receives Jesus those became the children of God. So you can't be born into the family of God by your parents or anything else. You know, some people say, well, my parents were missionaries and my parents were pastors. Well, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children, right? And you have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself. Paul's going to start out this section and he's going to say that not all Israel is Israel. Some people say, well, he's just kind of grasping at straws. But what happens is when we look at the history of the Jews, remember all the way through the period of time, they were always rejecting God, right? They were always going into captivity. They were always being taken captive. They were always going under the domination of some other race. Remember that led up to the fact that the prophets were preaching all the way through the Old Testament, and finally in 721, the Assyrians came in and took the northern kingdom, and then the southern kingdom, the, was Judah, was taken by the Babylonians in 586. Remember that basically only a few people had really become true believers. That's the way it's always been, that God has always had his remnant. And it was the same way at the coming of Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way. I hadn't really thought of it this way till I began to study. And there were so very few people who had true faith. There were people like Joseph and Mary and Elizabeth and Zachariah and Simeon and Anna who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Remember, Jesus even did the same thing when he saw Nathaniel and he said, uh, remember Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Jerusalem, out of Nazareth? And when he saw Nathaniel, he said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And that was kind of a play on words. If you remember the guy, Jacob, he was the guy whose name became Israel, right? And what does the name Jacob mean? Deceiver, right? He was the heel grabber. He was the deceiver. And God changed his name from heel grabber, from, from deceitful, to a prince among men or one who strives with God. What he said about Nathaniel was here is a true Israelite. He is not a deceiver like most of them are. Paul's going to show that the only way that really people get to heaven, whether we're Jews or Gentiles, whoever we are, is because of the fact that we believe in Jesus Christ and him alone. And we'll talk more about that a little bit. But 
one of the things here, one of the first things we want to see today is that the unbelief of Israel is consistent with God's promises. But what is he going to say that he hasn't violated his promise? Because the Jews even today are asking, well, nobody's believing in this Messiah. Was he really the Messiah? Why do we believe that? Some people believe just the nation of Israel is the Messiah. I heard that the other day. And they believe that Christianity is just another religion. And if it goes against Judaism, it's just heresy. It's blasphemous. As we look at verses 6 through 13, what we're going to see is basically the fact that the true children of God are the children of promise, not of the flesh. And so let's look at this, and I'll read a couple of verses here, and then we'll see how far we get this morning. We don't have a ton of time, but he says, But it is not the word of, it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they're seed of Abraham. But in Isaac your seed shall be called, that is, those who are the children of flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise, that at this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even our father Isaac, for the children not yet having been born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand not of works, but of him who calls. It was said to her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob, I have loved, but Esau, I have hated. So what we're going to see in this section, and I'll just kind of sum it up for you, but what we're going to see is how God, through, two, through this continuing family, what does he do? He chooses one nation to be his chosen people. He's not choosing individuals, but he's choosing nations is what he's choosing. What he's going to say is that, that God's election of Israel did not depend upon natural descent, human merit, and that their disobedience cannot nullify God's promises and his purpose for the nation. The word of God has not failed. Let's look at this. What did he say earlier in chapter 2, verse 28 and 29? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor a circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is one who is inwardly and whose circumcision is of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. In other words, he said the true Jew is not one who just does the things that he's called to do because he has to. You know, a lot of people show up to church every week and they show up, why? Because they feel like they're doing God a favor or they feel like, well, you know, this is going to help me somehow. But they're not really there to trust Christ. They're not really there because they're broken over their sin and broken over the fact that they need the Lord Jesus Christ to save them. You know, and it's hard to understand that sometimes. Uh, I was talking to a guy at the jail on Tuesday and what was amazing was the guy said, well, I believe in God. I was raised in the Baptist faith. And I went to a Baptist church and I said, well, he says, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. And I said, look, I said, you got to come to the place where you understand and hear that you're broken, that you can't fix yourself. And this is going to be the pattern of your life. And until you ask God to forgive you and save you and realize deep down inside 
that you're a sinner and that you need the Lord, then guess what? You're never going to really truly know Christ. I said, the Bible says that even the demons believe and tremble. <laughs> Jesus, when he was on earth, he said he ran across those demoniac, demoniac of Gadarene, and they said, what have we to do with thee, Jesus, the, the most holy one of God? Have you come to torment us before the time? And they knew that Jesus was God. And several times the demons spoke to Jesus. But he says, you believe, believe in God, James says, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But the demons aren't going to heaven just because they believe that way. What he's saying here is that God never promises in this first verse here that God never promises that just because the people were born of Abraham that they were going to heaven. Just like I said, you know, we can't be born and go to church since we were kids or our parents were missionaries or pastors or we spent all our life in a church. That doesn't make us a Christian any more than, than being in a McDonald's makes you a hamburger, right? Or being in a garage makes you a car. That, that just is not the way it works, you know? But that's what people think. Well, I go to church, I'm a Christian. And that's what most people would tell you today in the United States. But when you look around at the world and the condition of the United States, we have to ask ourselves, look at all the sin, look at all the evil, look at all the stuff. Do 90% of the people in the United States, are they Christians? Look at who's in office. Look who we've elected. Look what our system is like. It's all messed up. Why? Because... We have not trusted in Christ. And if people truly trusted in Christ, their heart would be different, right? What's the old saying? You can't legislate morality. I guess you can make laws and people kind of keep them because they have to. But it's like the little kid that was in the back seat of the car and, and the mama said, sit down. And the little kids kept staying up. She told him three or four times. She said, if I have to stop this kid car I'm gonna wear you out now sit down now and the little kid sat down and he he looked at his mama in the mirror and he said mama I'm sitting down on the outside but on the inside I'm standing up (laughs) and that's the way we are we do what we have to sometimes but it's not because we want to it's because we have to but the moment you know Jesus Christ what God does is changes your heart right he changes your want to's And so Paul says it's not that the word of God had taken no effect for they are not all Israel who are of Israel. And what is he doing? He's talking to to, to real racial Jews. And some people confuse this with the new church. They say the church has replaced Israel and that's the new Israel. I don't believe that. But this this is talking about racial Jews. And all through history, like I said, Israel has rejected God even when Elijah he comes before God and he says you know everybody else has has run away from you and I'm the only one who serves you and he says I've reserved 7,000 men who've not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. When we think about it what he says here is that not all of Israel all the people who were racially born Jews are true believers is what he's saying just like when you walk in a church i've heard this said that billy graham said this now this is not marty but this is what billy graham estimated 
he estimated that 72% of the people in the church, if God were to come back in the middle of a church service, would be still sitting in the church. That only 28% of the people sitting in the church pews are actually real, true Christians that go to church every week. Like I said, a lot of churches don't teach the truth anyway, unfortunately. They teach some kind of works righteousness. And remember all the way back in John, John chapter 8, verse 39, when the Jews were talking to Jesus and, and he, he said, that you're of your father the devil. And he, they said, we're Abraham's children. And he said, no, you're of the, your father who's the devil, right? If you were of Abraham, you would do what? You would do the works that Abraham did. They did certain things. Only the people who have truly trusted Christ are really true believers. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29 says, If you are Christ, then you're Abraham's seeds and heirs according to the promise. If you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seeds and heirs according to the promise. See, when God spoke to Abraham, and he said, Through you, through your seed, all the nations of the world shall be blessed. He wasn't just talking about racial Israel. He was talking about those who would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Those are the blessings. Those are the children of promise. Those are the true, true seed of Abraham. But unfortunately, like I said, the Jews have believed just because they were racially Jews that they were going to heaven. Just like a lot of people have believed that just because they're going to church, that they're going to heaven. And it's unfortunate because one day Jesus said that many will say unto me that day, have we done even people to be preachers and stuff? And he said, many will say that day, have we not done signs and wonders and miracles in your name? And he says, I depart from me, I never knew you. Let's just talk about four things that Christians believe and then we'll quit today and then we'll move on to verse seven next week. But he says, first of all, Christians believe in Christ. We believe in Christ. We believe in the Christ of the Bible. We believe, 1 John chapter 4, verse 3, he says, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. If we believe that Jesus has come in the flesh, you know, there's certain things we need to believe if we're true Christians. We need to believe that Jesus is God. We need to believe that he lived a perfect, sinless life. We need to believe that he died in our place. And when he died, he died for all of our sins, right? When he said it's finished, he meant he died for all of our sins. He didn't leave anything for us to do but to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we believe that. We believe he was born of a virgin. We believe uh, there's other things we're supposed to believe about the Bible that, is, you know, that, that he's coming back literally bodily. He rose literally bodily out of the grave and he went up into heaven literally bodily and he's coming back literally bodily that the word of God is without error. Those are the kind of things that we need to truly believe. And I'm not saying some of these Bibles that people have translated nowadays, there's a bunch of what you call not versions, but perversions out there because people have written their own Bibles and changed all kinds of things. But God gave the word and he said his word shall never pass away. 
what we have to do is first of all believe intellectually who Jesus is, all those things that I just said. Second, we have to be broken over our sin, right? Realize that we can't fix ourselves. And it's hard sometimes for some folks that haven't done as much bad in their life. You know, they hadn't really done all the things. They say, well, I'm not as bad as the people in the jail. I hadn't done this and I hadn't done that. But the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of glory of God. If we've ever lied once, we've ever thought a bad thought about somebody, we've ever done anything wrong, stolen, anything. You know, we've stole from God. Why? Because he says that we have thanked him for everything he's given us. We use his gifts and his stuff and we don't thank him for them. And then lastly, we voluntarily say, God, I want to be forgiven. God, I want to be saved. Second, Christians not only believe the truth about Christ, they follow Christ. You know, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. And he said daily, he said, deny yourself. But what did he also, he told the apostles, he says, follow me and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. And you know what that implies? If we're not telling others about what Jesus did for us and we're not fishing for other men, trying to lead them to Christ, it says, are we really Christians? Because we're supposed to be witnesses. He says, you will have power and then you will be witnesses, right? So we follow Christ. We live by this word, not because we have to, but because we want to, right? And then the third thing is, is we witness to Christ. And that was kind of what I was talking about just a minute ago, that, that we tell others about Jesus and we tell what he did for us. You know, in a witness, what is a witness? Just somebody says, you know what? I was sitting down there at the red light and I saw the light turn red and I saw that guy run through the light and he hit that guy. Well, guess what? I was a sinner and God one day got hold to me and he forgave me and saved me and changed my life and I'm not what I ought to be, but I ain't what I used to be, right? It's not good English, but it's good theology. In other words, God changed us and he forgave us and he made us into somebody else, right? So we're to witness and tell others what he's done for us. Maybe some of these folks around here, y'all can tell them. And then last of all, we learn more and more about Jesus. Do you have a hunger for this word? It seems the folks here today do. We have to ask ourselves, do we have a true hunger for the word of God? Do we want to know what this word says? Do we want to obey it? We have to ask ourselves, Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, he said, examine yourselves to see whether you're truly in the faith or not. You know, church membership won't get you into heaven. Peter told his readers in 2 Peter 1, verse, chapter 1, verse 10, he said, therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. Make sure you're really, truly saved. Because we don't want to stand before the Lord one day and have him say, depart from me. I never knew you. That would be a scary and a horrible time. And it's unfortunately, I feel like this is true. And sometimes I'm, I, I can't read people's hearts. But some of the people we minister to and some of the places we minister to, we have a lot of people that think they're going to heaven. I remember one time talking to a guy when I worked in the secular world and he was cussing up a storm and talked about his drinking and his smoking and, you know, he's cussing up a storm the whole time. And 
He said, well, I'm going to make it to heaven by the skin of my teeth. I said, are you really? <laughs> are you sure about it? Yeah, I'm 100% sure. I'm like, well, you know, if you really truly know the Lord, your lifestyle is going to reflect the fact that you know the Lord. And that's is what, as Christians, we should be doing, is we should be telling others about Jesus, and we should be living the life. That's why Jesus said, let your, let your light so shine that others may see your good works and do what? Glorify Him, right? Not glorify us. Oh, look, there goes Marty. He's such a wonderful fella. No, hey, there goes Marty. He really tries to live for Christ. And man, I remember that guy, how he used to be. And boy, somebody must have got hold to him. God must have, God's done a work in his life. I remember Miss Smiley used to be here. You remember Miss Smiley, right? You're probably the only one that remembers Miss Smiley, but... Miss Smiley, I used to live next door to her when I was about 24 years old, 23, 24 years old. And, and I said, Lord, I got to make up to Miss Smiley being her next door neighbor before I was, before I was uh, saved. And I used to live next door to her. I wasn't a very good neighbor. And she, she always told me, oh, you were a good neighbor. And I'm like, no, I wasn't. <laughs> I was definitely not a good neighbor. When God gets hold to us, People can see the difference in our lives and people can will know that there's something different about us. What did Jesus say? All men will know you are my disciples because you have love one for another and because of the way you live and the love you have for the people in the world. And it's hard to love people in the world, but we're to love them anyway and to pray for them and to try to tell them what Jesus did for us. We know the Lord and, and let him know, let them know what God's done for us so they can have it too, right? Well, let's pray and let's close. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross, that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Father, we're just thankful so much for that today. Just ask if there's even one here that doesn't know you and not 100% sure today that they would cry out and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. And you said, whoever calls on your name shall be saved. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for this day. We just ask that you would work mightily wherever your word is being preached today and that you would be glorified. And we would be like Isaiah and see you high and lifted up and on your throne and realize that we're a sinful people of unclean lips and we live amongst the people of unclean lips that you are mighty and wonderful and without you we are nothing there's nothing good about us Isaiah said all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags but you give us your righteousness we thank you for that in Jesus name Amen Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, 
addictions to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free. And these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington, Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 8.32